0: This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to William English, best known for writing in English, which, when you think about it, I think we all owe him one, don't we? Really? This one goes out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers
1: news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew.
2: I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
0: In this issue, Spider Island, Iron Maiden, and the Big Bad Wolf. No, it's not a listing of Death Clock songs. It's our itinerary, you student. And if you haven't read, listen to. Eh, Never mind, skip it. We're here to bring the fun, done in one. If you ain't careful, you might learn something before we're done, and the Crimson Dynamo's coming along for the ride. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away, but we're so sorry, Uncle Albert. We haven't done a bloody thing all day, and here I thought the only lonely place was on the moon. Call, reference, music, missing, reset, call, function, log. Why does the porridge bird lay its egg in the air, initiate, Reinitiate closing script major spoilers podcast on the air
2: hey everyone welcome to the major spoilers podcast so glad that you could be with us today Yay! tonight tomorrow next week a year from now two years from now but heck,
0: not people in 2012 that are
2: still just listening to the first episode of major spoilers podcast
3: and to those people i say thank you
0: and to those people i say i'm real sorry i do get better
3: yeah, you got a lot better than the first episode of Major <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> you weren't even on.
0: <laughs> I was real quiet. I was I was nervous. It was my. F- it was the first time being on the entire webs, and I didn't know what to say, so I just sort of sat there and listened to Scroll Brian. and Every podcast is
2: somebody's first podcast, so this is the way the show breaks down. We talk a little bit of news, <laughs> then we're going to be reviewing <laughs> little- some comic books, then we're right. going to be talking about the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, and then right. we're going to be talking about a trade paperback of the week this week. Featuring the first trade of the uh, Fables uh, title from Vertigo Comics, Fables in Exile. We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show. But right now, let us get to some
4: news.
2: (laughs) Scoured the Majorspoilers.com website today and found three items over this past week, which we may or may not want to talk about. First of all, the Lone Ranger movie encounters some funding woes and gets shut down. Mattel extends its subscription deadline for action figures. And Robert Kirkman's Walking Dead takes a novel approach to telling some old stories. Let's spin that wheel of destiny. See where it lands. In case you want to know, that's Matthew as our big wheel this week. Spins around and lands. People didn't know that was me. The Mattel extends subscription deadline. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but over at the San Diego Comic Con maybe just prior to the San Diego Comic-Con, Mattel. And they've got a website, maddiecollector.com. This is where you can go and get a lot of their collectible action figures. You can go and purchase some of the figures that are only available at conventions. Um, A couple of years ago when we gave away that big Starro set for the uh, Major Spoilers uh, costume contest, that came from Maddie Collector. They have a lot of great figures. In fact, a lot of the uh, Justice League uh, figures continue on at uh, Maddie Collector. They also have He-Man, Transformers, Ghostbusters stuff as well. Well, they announced a subscription service, and at first it was supposed to cut off, I think, at the like the first of August or the middle of August or something like that. And then they extended it, uh, and then they extended it yet again. I guess they're looking to get like 250 people confirmed to sign up for this thing, for these subscription services, in order for them to go on. And the first time they extended the deadline, they only had like 20% of their quota that they needed to meet mm-hmm. so um there are four different subscription services the dc universe club infinite uh, earth's uh club the voltron club lion force masters of the universe club eternia and ghostbusters club ecto-1 mm-hmm.
0: now i went to club ecto-1 in new york
2: this is this is a kind of interesting in how this this system works um and I'm just reading off of the uh club and infinite infinite earth's membership this is the the d c one because that's the one I'm more interested in. Mm-hmm. First of all, you pay a a sign up fee of like thirty bucks uh-huh. okay and then over the course of a year, you are shipped nine club figures at fifteen bucks apiece, three oversized figures at thirty bucks apiece, and then a club exclusive figure that only people in the club get mm-hmm. uh and that's included as part of your sign-up fee, which is an additional $15 on top of that 30-day charger for the first figure. Right. The thing is, you have to buy all the figures if you sign up for this club. So by the end of the year, you're going to end up paying a minimum of $255 plus taxes and shipping and everything on all of these figures. The good thing is, you're guaranteed... One of these figures, Mm -hmm. the way the Maddie Collector works, and it's kind of almost like the way San Diego Comic-Con tickets went this last year, where they open up the server at a specific time and say, okay, we're selling the new He-Man action figure. Right. Okay. And everybody floods in and the servers crash and you may not get the figures you want. I remember when uh, the Legion of uh, Superheroes, the Justice League figures went on Mm -hmm. sale. That was almost impossible to get those. Luckily, I snagged one set. And I think one set for, maybe I got two because... I snagged one for Matthew too. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you did. But uh, this way, you're guaranteed at least one of the one of the figures. Right. Guaranteed, you don't have to wait for it. On the flip side, you're basically committing yourself to getting every right. getting every figure that comes out in points. that in that year. I, yeah,
3: I do like that. At least they broke it up into a bunch of different things. Because right. if you're not interested in, actually, I'd be interested in all of those. But if so you're not right. interested in one of them. Mm-hmm. then you can be like, hey, I I only want half-naked guys with swords. What this guy in a jumpsuit doing here? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you only get the...
2: You only sign up for the DC. You only sign right. up for the... I mean, you could sign up for all of them if you wanted, but...
0: If you had a grand spare. Yeah, so, exactly.
3: So, they you, you sign up, mm-hmm. and you commit to all the figures. Right. So, I, I mean... Is is that really an advantage? Do they really go that fast? What happens if you want to get a figure?
2: Some of them go incredibly fast, and once they're gone, they are gone. Like right. I said, the uh, Legion 3-pack or 4-pack went very quickly. The Marvel family went very quickly. The Starro one was there in one day, and it's gone. The ones that tend to sell out the most are the He-Man ones, because mm-hmm. people want those new sculpts and the new designs and everything, and right. the only place you can get them is through Maddie Collector. With the,
3: with the leg... Yeah, different with legs. The, with, the, with the hip joints that are not going to pinch
2: you. And, <laughs> and rubber cause banded of, together. Yeah, cause of... Actually, the He-Man stuff, the, the new sculpts that they have on those figures are yeah. really awesome I, compared I, to are the those cheap 80s Four Horsemen stuff. sculpts? I don't remember who does those. It may be Four Horsemen. I don't remember. But they are really, really nice.
3: I think this is... It's interesting because it's kind of a way to protect their hardcore collectors right. from yeah. basically eBay scalpers.
2: Well, and that's what happens because, you know, like the Starro one was like a $50... Um, Item, And when those sold out the next day, you could go on eBay and find them for two, three, four hundred dollars. And that's, you know, for somebody that may really want a Starro figure because I want the Starro figure. Right. You know, I'm screwed if I have to pay four or five times what it's worth in order to get it.
4: And that's free market.
2: I mean, no, you don't have to, Matthew. You, (laughs) You certainly don't. But, I mean, if you're a fan of that and you want that as part of your collection, and quite frankly, that was a pretty kick-ass, just in the box, too bad I threw the box away, because mm-hmm. they had Kevin Conroy doing the uh, voiceover for the box.
3: Nice.
2: Uh was very cool. But, yeah, if you're somebody that really wants this, and as Rodrigo said, this is protecting the cole- the collector, um, it-, it may seem like a good deal. The bad thing is you don't know what the figures are. We know what three of the figures are. One of them is Flash 1, another is a Starman figure. And the other one is, well, I, I, there's two more um, on the DC side. Um, let me see what it is here. Blah, blah, blah. I can't find it. I do know that the exclusive is a Poison Ivy uh, figure uh, in okay. that DCU Classics line. So, I mean, there's something so, There's something there for signing up.
0: So what if I want two Poison Ivies so I can put yeah, my so face between them and go Britsky? So there's
2: a couple of ways you could do it. Number one, you could sign up for a second club membership, I suppose, if you wanted. And I'm sure Mattel would not turn you away. If you don't want, you know, let's say because uh, some of these you can buy up to ten figures. And really, say for the Parademons, why would you want to buy ten of the sure. poison
3: ivies because you have 10 very spoiled children who do not <laughs> want to share or you're going to go sell them on ebay
2: so right. in that case matthew on the day that they open up for sale you can get in line with everybody else and buy your extra figures
0: but i don't like everybody else they smell funny and they keep well the good
2: them. thing about an online uh, auction house or an online uh, store you don't have to actually stand next to those people
0: yeah your, your computer doesn't have smell-o-vision
2: no, thank goodness.
0: Dude, you need to upgrade to Firefox points.
2: <laughs> there is a brand new Firefox, by the way, Matthew. Oh I suppose in 2014, Stop he'll it. finally update to
0: that. <laughs> I upgraded to the new Firefox. So why is this available. a
2: good thing? Why is it a bad thing? And and one, more importantly, why have people not flooded onto the subscription service? I mean, they are probably at 50%, 60% now, and you've got only until like a next week They've given people a full month to sign up for this. They've publicized it, and yet people still aren't doing it. What are the pros and cons of this, Rodrigo? I
3: have to say, I am surprised that not that people haven't flooded onto this, because, like, like we've mentioned before, this is a guaranteed way that you will get those figures and not right. have to get caught online. But I wonder if it isn't, if they're not deterred by that. It could be that people are like, oh yeah, I'll sign up for this, what are the figures? And that the figures that they're opening with are not all that great or right. maybe people don't like them that, that much be, so or, i i think that might be it as, as far as the pros and cons pros again you if you're subscribed you won't have to go to ebay to find them cons you're gonna put that money yeah,
2: up front putting
3: that money up front yeah. and it's you're locked into that you're
2: into that mm-hmm. commitment of doing that it's like the columbia record and i think Club.
0: that right there yes, is exactly. your is your thing it's an economy of scale i mean if you say over the course of the year, Stephen, you bought 25 action figures at $15. That's three grand or whatever it is. It's, God, it's not three not. grand.
3: Uh, I'm not good with but, that's
0: but $900. <laughs> okay, now wait, let's put this in perspective for you, Steve. You walk around at work, right? You go from your office to Actually, another thing in a place. That's why I'm so fat.
3: <laughs> He's got a segue. <laughs> okay.
0: So let's say you walk an hours. average of, of three miles a day and you right. don't even realize it. You walk right. from your office to another building and you walk back. Now, let's say the next morning I tell you, Stephen, you have to walk three hours. You have to walk three miles today. You are not done with your work until you've walked three miles today. It would seem a bit daunting, even though yeah, you true. know, you know that you probably walk three miles. Well, not you, but you know, normal people with jobs where they leave their office. Around. Will walk back and forth and do stuff, or you know, your average the housewife taking care, care. Of her life. Exactly. So I think what it comes down to is is saying to a person, "You need to give me two hundred fifty bucks up front, or you need right. to commit to giving me two hundred fifty bucks up front." Right. They may know in their head they're going to buy ten action figures at twenty five dollars in the next year, but it's another thing to commit mm-hmm. to buying ten action figures, yeah. especially sight unseen. Because yeah, there are figures the big, of characters yeah, that I yeah. love that I don't want. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I think that's the DC the big Direct, thing. the DC Direct Starman, Starman One, Ted Knight. Right. I bought this sight unseen, and it's not a good fig. It's not. Well, it's not even really a figure. It's more of a statuette. Yeah, statuette. Yeah, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. But I bought it sight unseen because I wanted to buy the Justice League package. So
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it kind of y- you kind of wonder if maybe more was known about what was going to be in this mm-hmm. bit or if you gave me you know if you gave me an idea of fifty percent of what I'm getting next year for two hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Because for all I know I'm gonna get like prody and I'm getting like uh, streaky and, I'm well, and see get that's the one thing
2: that I'm off. really disappointed about. I think Is that's more awesome if you get prody and streaky. The thing is, one of the big sets that I want to get, and the set that will go, this will be the one that people will be flooding servers with, is that giant 14-figure Legion of Superheroes set that includes uh, like 12 of the Legion of Superheroes plus one Colossal Boy, which would have been a building collect, yeah, would have been one of those build and connect ones, plus a prote plus a Legion flight ring, and the case that they come in rolls up to form... The Golden Age or the Silver Age rocket ship ship clubhouse, Clubhouse, right? That thing's like two hundred and fifty bucks right there, and that's not part of this collection. I would have, I would have signed up just if they would have said this is part of the collection. Mm -hmm. All we know is four figures the the four six inch figures that they are the three six inch figures and the poison ivy uh one and you're right it's it's a lot to commit to um one of the commenters over at major spoilers a boy says I hope this means that they're having a tough time filling the subscriptions I had the masters of the universe subscription for one year and was hap and and then happily canceled shipping was over the top they never combined ship prices and ordering anything extra on release day was still met with crashing servers for twelve months um and then I guess his total up to something about $400 a year, not the 255 that uh, that Mattel is, is claiming. So he's hoping that it goes away. I, You know, Shipping quite honestly, the fact... Included. No, it isn't. The fact that they've extended this twice now Makes me tells crazy. me that I don't think that the subscription and, plans are going to go forward. And that's the sad thing, because some of these uh, toy lines that you can't get at Walmart or Target or Toys R mm-hmm. Us, the only place you can get them is at Maddiecollector.com And... One of the things this says or could say is that people aren't interested in these toys, right? People just aren't interested in these toys. We're going right. to discontinue them. You know, the only reason why those Justice League figures, um, you know, the animated series figures are still around is because of Maddie Collector. Right. Right. So I, and that's, that's the only one bad thing. Now, on the plus side of the, if the subscription doesn't go through, I'm not out my initial, you know, subscription cost.
3: Right. Right. So, Presumably, if the whole thing folds, they wouldn't charge you. <laughs> no, no, they won't charge you if it if it doesn't well, go hopes, through. One hopes anyway. But the the other thing is, is that I mean they've they've if if not all but come out and said they might have actually come out and said that if this if they don't get enough people, this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. So it, that lets me that makes me think that this is all experimental to begin with. Well, they've had it before with uh-huh. some of the other lines, but who knows? What are what are some other
2: companies that you think would benefit besides the? uh rca music random house
0: Senior you know who Club. would be what would be interesting um is if you could buy like a subscription to a comic book what where every month they would mail you a comic book and you you'd know you were locked in for 12 yeah but issues.
2: you're locked in for 12 issues my god why would anybody do that yeah but you know then you give
0: them like a discount you'd be like 12 issues instead of paying 299 12 issues cost you 25 bucks and then you don't have to go to your friendly oh never mind
2: well, that, and have you ever seen what the mailman delivers half the time? Everything better be polybagged if they're going to offer that well, kind and, of subscription and, and I think service. it is. I don't know. Some of Brian's stuff, I think he said, come, came where the covers were all mangled. Uh. And, of course, the mailman's fo- folding them in half and Jeez. all that stuff. And who wants that with their subscription? Yeah, that's true. And, of course, in, in my case, and I know UPS hates me now. You know, every time we get a package from UPS, it's like they, they've they stomped on it with their jackboots mm-hmm. and just said FU. So I'm hoping that these figures come unharmed if the subscription service goes through.
3: Your your giant diaper order arrived <laughs> largely yeah. intact, though. Yeah, but that's not delivered by UPS. I think
2: oh. that's FedEx or somebody. So, And by diapers, it's for my son, not me. Oh, so. uh, right. Jazz.
3: Yes, yes. It was a giant order of baby-sized <laughs> diapers. Not an, order, exactly. not an order of
2: giant-sized <laughs> diapers. <laughs> all right, everybody. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can comment on this uh, Mattel story. Of course, you can read all about the other stories, and you can get a uh, early look at the Batwing from The Dark Knight Rises. You can see some... Uh, Some marriage proposals given at the uh, uh, Wizard World Chicago this past weekend. One of them, I think, was really, really cool, uh, how it ends. Can't Mm -hmm. give it away or that gives away the whole video, but you can go over there and check that out. You can also head over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can check out a dueling review of uh, Morning Glories, number 11. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You can read a retro review of Flash 79 from 1993, not too long ago you can check out our brand new podcast top five we've got another one coming out uh, this upcoming week that's
0: 18 years ago
2: and you can go to Majorspoilers.com slash store and you can buy some of our incredible merchandise just some of the very cool things over at Major Spoilers stick around when we come back we've got some reviews
1: how to get a Major Spoilers shout out if you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show all you have to do is the following steps number one Visit Majorspoilers.com 2. Click on the Make a Donation button 3. Donate $10 or more to the cause 4. Sit back and relax And hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. 6
2: Once again, thank you to everybody who has donated the Major Spoilers podcast. Giving those shout-outs at the top of the show is just one little small thank you that we can give out to all those people. Of course, if you follow us on Twitter, we do some shout-outs there. Oh, I don't know. We do a lot of other things. Yeah, we're all over the place, man. We are all over the place, as Rodrigo says, man. Let's get to some reviews. (laughs) Reviews. That was worth it right there.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. me up when I'm trying to sing, damn it.
2: (laughs) Let's take a look at a Marvel book and a Marvel book. Two Marvel books uh, this week. I guess came out last week from Marvel Comics. The first, Amazing Spider-Man number 667 from Dan Slott. And, oh boy, I'm super excited, Humberto Ramos. He's back. Um, I love this guy's art. If nothing else, this book deserves five stars just because of his art. And here's how great his art is. Um, this is what's happened. The jackal, who I'm again, I'm I'm not really familiar. People have to remember I didn't start until Amazing Spider Man until brand new day. Or what mm. big time. Big I'm time. sorry. Big time. And uh so I don't know who all these people are or the villains, but the jackal, uh, I guess if you're gonna have a bed bug problem in New York, those bed bugs, if they bite you, might as well give you spider powers. <gasps> he has concocted all these bugs that are going around biting people and they are waking up and discovering that they have spider powers, including Spider Man's girlfriend. Uh, the lady cop, whatever her name is, Carly, right? Now, here's how great Humberto Ramos's art is. Uh, she breaks the news to him that she has spider powers by standing on top of the ceiling, okay? And she's wearing a, a, like a kind of a clingy tie, you know, one of those flimsy kind of camisole, whatever they called tops, lady tank tops, mm-hmm. okay? And a loose-fitting pair of jeans. Now, look how she's drawn. When she's hanging upside down, everything doesn't stay in place. Her pant legs scrunch up down around her knees. Her little frilly shirt is hanging, you know, very loose her breasts. And if you've seen Humberto's the way he draws women, all the women have enormous breasts, right? And they don't stay in place. They actually start to uh, gravitate with gravity, you know? And so it's, and and it's that, that kind of art. I mean, it's really, really good art and it's well thought out about this kind of stuff. And then you've got Dan slots writing all along. Throughout this issue, Peter is trying to talk Carly out of using her spider powers, and she keeps coming up with these excuses. Why would you stop using your spider powers? Why would you do that? And it's just these zingers onto Peter as to, yeah, you're right, dumbass. You wouldn't do this. You've Mm -hmm. got the spider powers. And so that's kind of uh, very humorous there. Um, The big, and this is part one of Spider Island. Uh, 666 that Matthew and I reviewed a couple of weeks ago over at Majorspoilers.com kind of set things up. But this is the big kickoff where everybody who has spider powers jumps out. And apparently the Jackal and his goons have been quietly rounding up the 'er ne'er-do-wells who have uh, been uh, acquiring these powers and Mm -hmm. gather them together in one place for a meeting. And he says, Hey, guess what? We're going to ruin the Spider-Man's name and starts handing out all these outfits, all these Spider-Man outfits. And so when the spider goons run amok, it is every incarnation of the spider costume that you've ever seen. Nice. If you want to see Ben Riley, Ben Riley's there. If you want to see the FF Spider Man is being bad, he's there. Uh, I'm trying to see who else I remember. Metallic
3: Spider Man. I
2: think Metallic Spider Man is in there. Um, There's been uh, there's the Venom Spider Man -Man Man in there. 2099. I'm trying to see. There is one that could be Spider Man 2099. Uh, but there are... are Scarlet Spider. Scarlet Spider is there. They're just all over the place, and it's really well done. And, of course, uh, the Avengers show up to try to stop it, and they're like, none of these guys are Spider-Man, and they just start punching them and punching them yeah. and punching them. And then Peter Parker shows up to try to stop the mayhem as well. And they punch him. And they punch him and, <laughs> they punch him. and they punch him. And they punch him because nobody believes when he's saying, no, I'm the real Spider-Man. And Ben Grimm's like, yeah, kid, right, pow, and punches him across the You're street. You're too skinny. <laughs> And it's, it's really I mean the and I, you know, I don't know about all the intricacies of, of everybody's uh, you know allegiances and alliance and, and all of this stuff, but it is so well told how uh, and I thought this was going to be a dumb event, but this is actually kind of an interesting hook. You know what yeah. happens if everybody suddenly has spider powers? They all have awesome powers, but they don't, none of them take responsibility for their powers Mm -hmm. and what kind of things are going to happen. And so we get this in this, I guess, first official part of the spider Island saga. And I really liked it. This is a good Marvel book. If you, if you people haven't ever heard of this amazing Spider-Man book before, Mm -hmm. you might want to pick it up and read it.
0: And if you haven't heard of the amazing Spider-Man, I kind of (laughs) wonder how you found us. (laughs) Oh, you know they, all those uh, legends of the Dark Knight fans.
3: No, nah, I was going to say they pro- they were probably looking for a podcast about those wingy things that you put on cars. Yeah, there you go.
2: I'm not sure oh, I'm going to buy. Right. I'm not sure I'm going to buy all the tie-ins because there is a long checklist here. here you we all... have one, two, three, four, five, six, Shang eight, Chi, nine, Master nine,
0: 11, 12, of Kung Fu with six, Spider Powers, Cloven Dagger seven, with seven, seven, Spider Powers, six,
2: seven, Between now and November twenty-nine issues, I'm not going to buy all of them. Uh, I might pick up, I might buy that Deadly Hand of of Kung Fu uh, issue that comes out next week. I think is when it comes out, uh, but I'm definitely buying all the Amazing Spider-Man stories that have this. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be continue to be good. Dan Slott, it just seems like it's a natural fit for him to be on the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm giving this four and a half slices of meatloaf. That's how much I enjoyed it. Ooh. Matthew, you also read a. Uh, what is it? Is it a Marvel book? No. No, it's not. DC no, it's book, not. right?
0: It's It's a DC
2: book. Okay. Thunder Agents number 10. What threw me was thunder, seeing thunder, Nick thunder, Spencer's thunder. name on here, because apparently now he's exclusive with Marvel, I thought.
0: Well, as as I often tell people at work, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Because even though Nick Spencer is being touted as a Marvel exclusive, he is still writing Thunder Agents for DC. Yeah, he's also supposedly still solicited.
4: Yeah. It was just solicited
0: to relaunch Mm -hmm. in October, which is like three months down the line. So I think the word exclusive may not be the same thing to us that it is to DC.
2: Well, he may have had another previous contract too that said he had to do fifteen issues or something like that. So he has to engage that contract. Morning Glories is supposedly going to continue under his name too.
0: There you go. So well, tell us something. I of think DC. the Marvel and DC exclusive contracts specifically refer- reference one another. Right. And not independent publishers. But ah, that's just okay. me. Okay. DC Comics Thunder Agents number 10 came out this week. If you're not familiar with the Thunder Agents, um, well, you could check out the hero histories on Majorspoilers.com, located on the interwebs at www.majorspoilers.com.
2: You don't even need the, the W. The Thunder w- Agents.
0: W. You got to do the W. I like the W's. Thunder Agents is basically the story in the 60s of James Bond if he had superpowers and his five other friends who are also James Bond if they had superpowers. In the year 2011, espionage kind of has a different face. So the new Thunder Agents book has been brought into the future. And this issue is one of the, I think, either the end or near the end of an arc which deals with the major, one of the major antagonists of the old series, the Iron Maiden. And we have actually seen in previous issues of this arc that the Iron Maiden was finally captured by Thunder in the 80s. And brilliantly, when they need 80s art on this book, they get Mike Grell, who in the 80s was known for drawing Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters, and like that. Mike Grell does his best old school 80s art. So the first quarter of this issue is Mike Grell drawing really, really, really attractive women. And the Iron Maiden is in the custody of Thunder. And then it turns out that Thunder is actually in the custody of the Iron Maiden, and she breaks loose. Now, this is all flashback. In the present, the time now, we've also discovered that the Iron Maiden is important to the characters of Thunder. So, I think what's really fascinating for me, the the current stuff is drawn by Nick Dragota. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nick, but he's really good. And he does kind of an old school art style throughout it. We get the, the eighties portion of the story and the current portion of the story, which is ironic because the eighties portion is actually clearing up a comic book that came out in the sixties. But of course, time dilation being what it is and the Franklin Richards effect and all, you know, things have had to come together. But all in all, this book is a lot like Morning Glories in that we have a really large cast mm. that kind of cycle in and out. We have a central group of characters. And then we have some mysteries floating in the shadows. There's a little bit more plot being revealed here. And in this issue, we finally get some closure on the Iron Maiden arc. But we discover that one of our characters may have closer ties to the Iron Maiden. And we also find that someone very close to Iron Maiden's heart, one of the original Thunder Agents, may not be as dead as we think. So it's a story that takes place actually in three time zones because the last third of the book is a flashback even further to the point where, well, it can't really be the 60s because obviously it can't be 50 years ago. But at this point in time, we go back to the time frame wherever the original Thunder Agents took place. And we see a little flashback of what happened to Dynamo back in the 60s. It's really it's almost three separate stories intertwining. Each story is drawn by a different artist, and each story has a kind of a, a different tone. But it's that Nick Spencer thing of competing storylines moving back and forth, kind of like that big pit of snakes that Indiana Jones hated so much in the first movie. Snakes? Why's it got to be snakes? <laughs> Why's it got to be snake? Why? 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 I gotta talk like Torque. I, I admit that I'm a Thunder Agents groupie, but I think this is a very strong issue. Four slices at Meatloaf for me. All three of the art teams are really phenomenal. The time shifts make sense because they're visually explained in the art. So you know by who's drawing, whether this is 60s, 80s, or current frame. Cool. Nice. There are still a lot of mysteries that we don't know about the original Thunder Agents. And most importantly, the Thunder Agents aren't really the center of the story. They aren't the center of attention. This is actually kind of an espionage story, kind of a story about families, kind of a story about redemption. And also there's these James Bond superhero guys floating around. So. Hmm. It's got a little bit of something for everybody.
2: Matthew, I got a question though. You said this uh, feels a little you bit said. like Morning Glories, right? And, and I, I guess that's kind of a, a, a flag for me now. I mean, we're eleven issues into Morning Glories, <laughs> and I've, I have—I mean, I'm still a fan of what's going on, but it just—it's starting to feel so much like loss that I think that Morning Glories is going to lose me as a reader mm-hmm. if they don't start pulling some answers out of their butts. And I'm wondering if, if this is Spencer's style. Is he doing the same thing in, in Thunder Agents? Is this something, you know, now I'm, I'm wary of anything with his name on
0: it? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. There are definitely mysteries in play. And Spencer does like to, he likes to have multi-level tales where you don't necessarily know all of what's going on until further down the road. For instance, the first character that we met in this book in issue one was revealed last issue to be the daughter of the Iron Maiden. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. So, you know, nine issues later, we get this thing that informs everything she's ever done in the series. And in retrospect, you go, oh, so that makes sense. So I would definitely say that that, you know, that, Dole out little bits and pieces or learn the answers as you go is part of his style. Mm -hmm. Morning Glories is more of a mystery type series, a mysterious suspensey thing. This has some of that to it, but I don't think it's quite well. I'm not as bothered by it in Morning Glories, but I don't think it's quite to the level that Morning Glories is. Okay, what's that other thing that he writes?
2: He's doing something for Marvel, and that's what what tripped me up. Like um,
0: Thor. Or well,
2: he's also like. did, was supposed to, or is going to do something with Supergirl, um, uh, but I don't uh, have that in front of me. Uh,
3: Mighty Supergirl, See, God of Thunder.
2: <laughs> I
0: thought he was going to take Tenaris. over one of the X titles too, wasn't he? Is he? Oh, maybe he's going to do Ultimate X Men.
3: Uh, let's see
0: with Son Marvel Wolverine.
2: Comics. Let's see, War Machine. He did. Spencer's, write- Spencer's writing. Spencer's writing Iron Ball. Man 2.0 is what he's currently writing.
0: Oh, is he doing what, the arc with the uh, seven? The seven. Well, uh, know, this is what the weapons. Wikipedia
2: says. You know, Wikipedia's always right.
0: Dude, I'm a Wikipedia editor. <laughs> it's not always right. <laughs> Spencer is one of three writers announced to be working on Ultimate
2: Comics Universe Reborn, a relaunch of Marvel Comics Ultimate Line. Along with Jonathan Hickman and Brian Michael Bendis, Spencer Spencer will be writing Ultimate Comics X-Men. Told you. But he's right now writing Iron Man 2.0, Secret Avengers. He wrote uh, several there, the 12.1 and 13 through 15 and then the ultimate. Oh, comic stuff.
0: he wrote. Yeah. And then he's also, he's
2: also writing the cloak and dagger spider Island tie in, which comes out this week. I knew I there was
0: something I read with Nick Spencer's name. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Recently. yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of a little hesitant to just jump into that when I see his name. Hmm. So that's yeah. why I was asking Did you.
0: You have to understand. I've never seen an episode of lost. I don't know what it's all about. I can reference it, but I'm actually referencing other people's references. Oh, it's so just know like that Wikipedia. Show based Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I know that show based on what they used to be because I know that Locke played uh, Howard Hughes in the Rocketeer movie and yeah. Mr. Eco was uh at a BC on Oz and well, then there was one guy who was probably better off not watching it or something. Probably better off. I don't know, it just it. doesn't seem to be my bag of, my bag no, of donuts, you know. No.
2: Speaking of not somebody's bag of donuts. Rodrigo, last week, uh-huh. you reviewed Infamous Charlie Sheen winning Duh,
0: and I thought, I thought after it was you uh, <laughs> famous like he's so famous that he's actually in famous. Oh, he
2: might be. Is that the porn star of the week? He's in famous. Mm. Um, ah, this ah! week, this I thought you would have learned your lesson. Uh huh. But no, winning. Rodrigo, you've decided to go back to Blue Water Productions for yet another one of the. You know they have some other titles
3: besides Bio Comics, right? But you decided to pick up Lindsay Lohan. Why? Because. She's easy. Yeah. Because it (laughs) it was an easy title. No. Because I was like, hey, look. The Charlie Sheen comic had its problems. You know things like he didn't always look like Charlie Sheen, <laughs> right? And things like this is a very, very superficial skim of what the Charlie Sheen story was, right? Surely with somebody who's been around a lot longer and and crazy, you know, or rather somebody whose craziness has been in the public eye, yes, longer because this Charlie Sheen explosion was very recent, right? Um, he's had previous ones, but they were always kind of kept under wraps by Emilio Estevez <laughs> and a shotgun. <laughs> um and martin sheen yes. running running cover. By, they were they were kept uh kept under wraps by a fictional president <laughs> um so i was like all right well let's check out the lindsey lohan one and see if there's an if this one is actually insightful if they've got the art right and everything and um nope one and a half stars <laughs> all right so why the one and a half stars please uh, we wow. can pretty much guess
2: why it doesn't have the other three and a half stars uh wikipedia is scanning for the story right right um doesn't really go into any depth no there's probably, hardly any word uh, it's probably digitally all uh, reduced
0: certain parts of her body
2: it's probably all
3: near narrator uh, Ner- yes all narration boxes okay
2: so why the
3: 1.5 um because well, the balls that blue water has to continue to publish these books? I, I guess so. L- I, and let me just say that the in the Charlie Sheen one, at least they tried. It was right. clear that they were trying to draw Charlie Sheen right. every time and often failed, but sometimes succeeded. Sometimes he kind of looked like himself, Yeah, or he kind of looked like uh, Charlie Sheen. In this one, they didn't even try. The one in the, the, the cover image is a clear attempt at Lindsay Lohan, which was failed. Right. She doesn't look like Lindsay Lohan, but inside... There's just this blonde anime girl. Like mm. there's just this blonde manga girl. And, th- okay. and that's and that's who plays Lindsay Lohan for this comic. Really? And I was like they could have just as easily taken out, out all the captions and added Nicole Richie or um Paris Hilton or Don't, don't give them any ideas. I'm sure they've, all, they've already <laughs> well, done a Paris Hilton one, haven't they? Probably. Think they have, oh. yeah. It so you know. Y- y- are you asking me why it gets more why, than why zero stars? Yes,
2: why does it get one and a half? I um, mean, I could even understand one as being the lowest rung that we would go down to. Right. I mean, you could give it a I,
3: point five or a zero. I guess because it's in color, <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's properly colored. When you when you turn the pages on it, they don't necessarily stick together. <laughs> it It didn't come with a with an already sucked on lollipop <laughs> in the center um it, it wasn't delivered to me wrapped around a brick through my window um so that's what it's got going for it okay. I guess and there's just not much to it I, I, again because oh it's my, such a, you're yes. right when
2: you say when you
3: say anime manga. cartoon girl yeah and here's the other thing is that is she's blonde throughout the whole thing throughout the whole thing she is blonde right isn't she naturally a redhead Uh, naturally a redhead but she changes her hair so often yeah she's red and uh, she changes her hair so often but throughout this whole thing she always looks exactly the same wow it's almost like I, i i think that they did basically commission this comic and then later on captioned it I mean, it kind of looks that way. It it can't quite be that because they do have some specific stuff. Like, for example, they mentioned that she tried or she asked uh, to help with Barack Obama's campaign and they turned her right, down. Right, And they have her on machete or whatever. Uh-huh. Um. But, yeah, I mean, there's no... Yeah, this is... Wow. I You know, I've only
2: seen the cover until just right. now. I thought that that's kind of what the art... I mean, we've seen the... Barack Obama and the Howard Stern and the George Carlin and right. the Charlie Sheen,
3: right? Where it's like an attempt, right? Like, right. This one, they're this not even trying. no. They're yep. not even trying.
2: I wonder. I wonder. I'm just curious. I wonder if she has any kind of copyright
3: on her look. I, I would. Ass- I would imagine that she does because this is this is big. The fact that she wasn't even a redhead in it, yeah. lets me know that they're probably treading there. But the thing is, she's got to have some amount of cloud on her own name too right, right? right i mean right. how could they publish I, I i mean i guess they're just trying to public figure i don't know yeah they're just going to call public figure on the name and then have zero points of similarity in the art so that they can get sued
2: no i i like don't get me wrong i like blue water i mean nah, i like I don't what they're trying to do them. but my god they need to stop i mean they, they've <laughs> they've tapped into this they've tapped into this and this uh, and this is what Matthew, I'm going to bet you guys don't carry any of these bio-comics at Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies Hunt to and Engage Topeka.
0: Well, they fine carry. I mean, we'll we'll buy them to order, and there are people who order them.
2: Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Most of the places where these are being sold are the bookstores and Walmart. That's yeah. where they're, they're really getting picked up. Or, or, or not in the direct, uh, direct market shops, but in the big-name uh, big-box stores. Because I know that Justin Bieber one, man, it went like wildfire at Walmart and they had to, I think, re-release it and they re-released it as a hardcover and it sold out again. They so released a single issue as a hardcover? Uh, I think it was an expanded. They had a few mm-hmm. more things in it, but it wasn't like 96 pages or anything like that. Right. Um, but, you know, they've tapped into something with these bio-comics, but... Jeez. They've actually got a, a thing going on right now where it's... Uh, <laughs> and a lot of people really freaked out about this. And by a lot of people, I mean all the people that I know on, on the on the Twitter. Right. Um, when Blue Water announced lesson plans that schools can use when using their comics in the classroom. Yeah. So, did you see that?
3: I did see that. Uh,
2: so, like, they're, they've got something with, like, Martha Stewart, and they can use that as a discussion, and here's a lesson plan that you can use our comic book in the classroom, and...
3: I don't know. I, I give them I give them credit for <laughs> okay, for what they're kids, doing. Can you say securities fraud? <laughs> I think I think that's the, the amazing thing about these bio comics. And again, Blue Water has non-bio comics which are like original Right, right, right. hero-y stuff yeah, and yeah. like adventure stuff. Adventure and... stuff and like think a a few titles that seem to be aimed at girls, which again, you don't see a lot of. No. Um but uh, the the thing that's kind of amazing about these is that It's clear that they are done with a minimum budget as far as writing to a lesser degree art. Because I think that, I mean, the art is, honestly, I've seen worse art than this. Mm -hmm. There's really a lot worse stuff out there. Sometimes even stuff that gets put out by the big two is even worse than this art. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're like, they're just getting by with minimum effort, but just completely riding that wave of... Mm -hmm. Um, of whatever's happening, and all the facts are there on the internet for them to find. Right. So, or the air quotes, facts.
2: But you know, they have some original stuff, like you said, there's this new one that comes out this week or sometime in, in next month or so, Bainberry Creek Academy for Wayward Fairies. Mm-hmm. And the art is cartoony and looks nice. It doesn't look bad. I don't know about the sto- story, but you know, the art is
3: it's solid. interesting. Right? Yeah, I mean... It's
2: solid, art. Uh, Here's another one, Vincent Price Presents, which isn't a bio, but it is, you know, the kind of the Vincent Price horror kind of story. And those graphics are okay. They've got that Adam West, the Misadventures of Adam West that they have, and they Mm -hmm. have some other ones. So, you know, they have the sequel to uh, Clash of the Titans. Right. Wrath of the Titans, I think is what it's called. So, you know, more power to them. But man, you guys, I think, do more harm with those bio comics. But you know what? If it's keeping them afloat.
3: I mean, I I don't know. I don't, I don't begrudge them that because it's, it's actually not worse than what say star or like the, uh, weekly world news. Well, the weekly world news doesn't even do current events (laughs) anymore. The midnight star.
2: Those are the reviews for this show. You can head over to majorspoilers.com and read other reviews, including a fascinating review of the very last issue of the spirit. Let's say it's fascinating in the fact that I actually sat down and read the Spirit number seventeen. Um, reviews are over, Matthew, which means that it's, it's time for
0: time. I I think there's a delay. I may not have actually interrupted you. You need <laughs> you to start again.
2: Didn't. Oh, uh, okay. Matthew! Right now, did you know that it's time for the uh, the thing that we do after the reviews? I think it's called <laughs> the uh, what now?
0: It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> for the Such millions in attendance and the 150 people waiting at home. <laughs> waiting it's at It's time home. for the major spoilers. Yes, waiting with bated breath, which always makes me think that they've got like a it's mousetrap not. in their mouth, yeah. which is going <laughs> to That hurts, wormy. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that's an entirely different can <laughs> of worms, if you see what I'm saying. The major spoilers, ball of the week. Quick quick quick
4: quick 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 quick
2: quick former creators gone bing bong edition What did you say It's the former
0: comic creators gone bing bong edition <laughs> Okay explain why. I'm not please. saying that Neil Adams has popped his cork I'm just saying uh, look up expanding earth theory on the entire web sometime Okay And hey how about them Huskers
2: All right so this week someone has asked us to compare writers, artists, you know, there's all sorts of talented people up out there who are both writer and artist, often in their own books, doing both. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: We call them artists or writerists.
2: W- writerists, okay. So this week we have two writers. We have Neil Adams, who has done such uh, fantastic things as uh, that one book and that other thing. A lot of and people know him from man. the uh,
3: yes, Escape Man. man.
2: A lot of people know him from his Green Arrow run, right? And
0: then on the other hand, people hi- know him from drawing every third comic book cover at DC in nineteen sixty-eight, nineteen seven.
2: And then the other, uh, the writers that we have is is John right. Byrne. States. Some people yes. may know him from his Next Men, or X Men, or Fantastic Four, or the relaunch of Superman.
0: And I will go on record right now as saying, and some people will call me an ass. Some people will call me an idiot. The best Fantastic Four writer for my money in history.
2: Oh, John Byrne, okay.
0: John Byrne, All right. yes.
2: All right, cool. So the question is this week, which writer-artist could best the other in their crafts, in both crafts? Rodrigo, well, over to you. Um, what did these guys write again? Matthew, give us a rundown.
0: Uh, Byrne wrote Fantastic Four. He did a run on Avengers. For the last 15 odd years, he's been doing mostly creator owned stuff. He did Next Men. He did, um. He did Star Trek for IDW uh, recently. Star Trek for IDW. Those are really good. Angel for IDW. Yeah. Neil Adams, uh, basically founded Continuity Studios and was responsible for the adventures of Megalith and, uh, Skate Man and Armor and the Silver Streak. Uh, he's writing Batman Odyssey. Odyssey See right now, and odd is a particularly fascinating syllable to put in that title.
2: Yes, yes.
3: <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Byrne. Why? Because his middle name's Lindley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like also because a- apparently he's written he wrote the uh, first handful of issues of Hellboy. So True. I like that. Okay. Uh, for me, I went with Neil
2: Adams. Because some of his women, especially the Black Canary, woo-hoo, mm. Woo, wugga,
0: wugga. yeah, woot woot woot-woot-zoot-zoot. Hubba-hubba-zoot-zoot. Zoot, Wugga-wugga. Dude, what <laughs> bugga, year bugga. is it in your head? <laughs> it's 1932! Yeah, see? and me and my nephew
4: Berserko are taking <laughs> over the town, see? Now,
2: this week uh, on Palooka Joe Comics. Yeah, Palooka yeah. Joe. <laughs>
0: in the naked city
2: uh so you know so his art i think is really good um i, I like john burns writing and i and i do kind of like J- burns art but he tends to make all his characters i mean he has that style that's very it, it's very recognizable it's and burn yeah uh, and so that's kind of a little down note for me. But I, I've I've read and enjoyed a lot of the Neil Adams stuff, and so that's why he, he got my vote, even though uh, John Byrne has done some great things as well.
0: Back in the day, nobody drew a better-looking female than Byrne. Byrne's uh, Phoenix and Dark Phoenix really ruined me for the female species for a lot of years because, damn. But... If you go back to it, I mean, it's not like Neil Adams hasn't done. Neil Adams is one of the few people who ever made Lana Lang the Insect Queen actually look good in the era before Kristen Kroik. Yeah, exactly. So this was a tough one for me because when I was a kid, I used to love Armor and the Silver Streak and all the books that he did for continuity. I still have a big box of continuity comics. Um, uh, Technically, they're holding a door open in my office, but that's not the point. I had to really break this down because I love a lot of the work that each of them does, and I love their style, and I've actually collected comics based on each of their art. So what it really boils down to is the fact that uh, John Byrne looks like my Uncle Mike, who was a major influence on me growing up. And so I picked John Byrne because, you know, hey, he, he reminds me of being a kid.
2: Mark W. Wait a minute. Mark W. Do we know a Mark W.? Mark W says, I would say Byrne was the better writer plotter, but in the end, Adams had the better run on X-Men, so he gets my vote. Justin says, it goes to Jim Jim Shooter first, then John Byrne. Nothing else matters after that. Uh, Otter Disaster says, thought they were both great artists. I like Adams' bizarre scientific theories way more, so Adams gets my vote. Uh, Jimmy says, in the end, I have to go with the more relevant to characters that I like, so Neil Adams' work on Green Arrow along with Denny O'Neill created Modern Green Arrow. So that's who his vote went through for. Uh here's one for Byrne, here's one for Adams, here's one for Gail Simone and Mark Wade. Uh here's <laughs> one for here's one for Adams. It says Adams without question is the legend in terms of art. Uh but still my vote goes to Burn. Um bah, 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 bah. So on and so on and so on down the line. A lot of people commenting Someone on that.
0: Someone says skate man for the win is uh, if I'm
2: reading this go. But Skateman,
0: sadly, not for the win, Matthew.
2: How does the poll look right now?
0: Well, right now, um, I'm looking at 228 votes. Mm-hmm. How many do you see?
2: 230. But it, I, I'm sure That's it's not going to change by those two votes. Well, actually, those two
0: votes could be the difference. 57% of the vote leaning towards uh, Big John, 43% towards uh, Naughty Neil, And I think that what this really tells you is that Honestly, Neil Adams' heyday as the big creator was in the early seventies, Burns in the early eighties. And I honestly think that this vote may have a lot to do with that time factor, as much mm. to do with, you know, that relevancy factor. If yeah. we were to throw in Jim Lee, I think Jim Lee would get more votes than either of them because more people uh, especially our younger viewers are familiar with their work. So.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we may continue this. I was thinking after I was done with this, hey, m- let's uh, throw Frank Miller up there, and let's throw. Why? Um,
0: why I not? I thought you were He's talking a- about writers who could who could draw. <laughs> <laughs> Snap! No, they're writers, artists. Anyway, oh, okay. that's uh, the major so poll of with the a week. Chainsaw, it still counts. Awesome. Sure, it does. Art is art. It's all subjective.
2: <laughs> When we come back, we will be talking about Bill Willingham's uh, Fables, Volume 1, Legends in Exile. So stick around right uh, after this. We will be back.
4: Hi there, this
1: is Ryan. Uh, I was thinking about you, and I know you're all about making money with your home-based business. Uh, I'm not really sure how things are going with uh, Good Life, but my partner and I have created a can't-screw-up method for making five figures a month in your first month and every month thereafter. We've created more success stories in the last 90 days than any home-based business on the market today. I've got a webinar that you need to attend. You owe it to yourself to check out the details. Go to www.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Very funny. Listen, we don't need no solicitors calling the Major Spoilers Hotline. We actually want real listeners calling the Major Spoilers Hotline.
0: Matthew, that number is... Update our long distance service. That number is seven eight five seven two seven nineteen thirty nine. The major spoilers. John Byrne still looks like my uncle. Hotline. I
2: think I've made. Uh, I think I've made it clear at least at some point in one of these podcasts that I'm a huge Bill Willingham fan. Mm-hmm. Been following his stuff and since first, way back in the day when he used and- to illustrate Advanced Dungeons and Dragons tomes. Back when he used to do Ironwood. Back when he used to do uh, the, what was it? The Nexus? Elementals. elementals that's what it is. Uh, we need to put elementals uh, on Yeah, the we, trade we do. And if we could ever track down his Coventry series, the four or five issues that he did on that, that would be pretty awesome, too. I think I've got like three uh, of the you five. You officially
0: got two obscure for me, man.
2: Oh, okay. Well, so big Bill Willingham fan. Um, Clockwork storybook guy. All that good stuff. Uh, So when I found out years ago that he was working on a book where uh, fairy tale characters were living in the real world, I knew I had to get it. And that was this series called Fables. And in this book that we're reading uh, this week, it's called Legends in Exiles. We learn a little bit about what's going on. The first five issues in this. Uh, We learned that. Somebody called the adversary has taken over all of the kingdoms, all of the different worlds that are in the fictitious uh, books that we've read as children in the stories. So, you know, the Snow White era, the Beauty and the Beast, the the Aladdin and the Magic Lamp, all of those kingdoms were taken over by this guy called the adversary. And in order to survive so they wouldn't be uh, turned into slaves or worse, the fables escaped into the the mundane world. The Mundies is what we're called. Um Probably not as bad as Muggles, but, you know, it's kind of it's kind of still there. And they've had to live in secret for centuries and literally centuries. I mean, at some point down the future, we we learn about Hansel and Gretel and we find out that, you know, the the fables were in America about the same time as the pilgrims were in America. So the centuries that they've been around uh, and they've had to cope and they've had to hide and they're trying to survive and make their way in the world. And right now, most of them have made their way to New York City, and they all live in this uh, little apartment. Well, not all of them, but they live in this apartment building and uh, try to make do with their life. Um, this story is a murder mystery, a who done it, a who done it. Turns out, Snow White's sister, Rose Red, and for people, and this is one of the things that I have to give Bill Willingham credit for. He's done a lot of research into the characters that appear in this book because I probably was in high school or maybe even first or second years of college before I remembered that there was Snow White and Rose Red. Most people just remember the Snow White story. And so he's gone and done the research. Um, Jack of Fables, you know, Jack of the Beanstalk fame, Jack the Giant Killer fame. Has uh, burst into the uh, the constable's office, mm-hmm. claiming that Rose Red no! is dead. And the constable, the policeman, the investigator, the house Dick is Big B Wolf. <laughs> you said house. Yeah, Big B Wolf, Big Bad Wolf of uh, the little little pigs fame, mm-hmm. and he's set out to investigate what's going on to try to solve what has happened to Rose Red. And along the way, we meet all sorts of different characters. We see that uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast are having marital problems. Mm-hmm. We see that little boy Blue is working for Snow White in the, in the council's office. We see that some of the villainous characters, and especially in this case, one of the, the maybe bad guys in this story, mm-hmm.
3: uh, Bluebeard the Pirate, uh, no, he wasn't a pirate. Was he just called Bluebeard? It was just Bluebeard. Oh, Bluebeard. He was like a. You're a thinking noble. of Blackbeard? Yeah, that's right. who I'm
2: thinking of. Um, you know, he is living among these people. We learn about the Amnesty Act that everybody who came into the Mundy mm-hmm. world basically said, "Hey, all of our past transgressions are forgiven, providing that we do this." Right. And they're all trying to cope, except somebody's murdered Rose Red. <gasps> no,
3: Rodrigo. Some thoughts. I didn't do it. <laughs> you can't pin this on me. I didn't no murder, no red.
2: Now hey, you actually have the hardback. You got this uh, for a birthday gift or something. Christmas yeah, gift or a something? Yeah, for Christmas gift. So you've read um, the first 10 issues, which includes uh, On the Farm. Yep. Which is another place. Those people, those fable characters who cannot hide their... Monstru- monstrous uh, appearances, uh, talking animals, those kinds of things. They're all sent to live out in the country away from prying eyes right so that their magics are not revealed.
3: So that's a that's a different story, but this one's just focusing on the murder. Right. Uh it's pretty interesting. Really, I think what the the number one thing that this does is it it sets you up for what Fable Town is like. Right. And and kind of what the, what the general backstory is of the of of these characters. And also sets up the working relationship of Snow White and Big B, mm-hmm. who are, for all intents and purposes, at least as much as I have read, the main characters of the- Right, they are. Of the book, they or are. of the series.
2: For the most part, they yeah, are. I, mean, I other, mean, once you get other further down- Other people get their, well, get their but, time I mean, once, and, Yeah, I mean, later on, when the adversary steps up the, the war into mm-hmm. the Monday world, there are other characters that take the forefront, such as um, Boy Blue mm-hmm. and- um, Rose Red, you know, they, and even Aladdin makes right. an appearance later on. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's the story of Big B and, 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 uh, Snow White. Oh, you just, you like that, that as a setup? Yeah. Oh, okay. Matthew, what about you?
0: <laughs> I threw I me there, sorry. Really, it's okay. I ran into this by accident. At one point I was working in a call center where you were allowed to read, and unlike my current call center, people, you know, could, and we would stop by the local library. So I'd have something to do for eight hours at a time while old people threatened to commit suicide. And that's only half a joke. And I apologize if it sound callous to anyone, but Fables was one of those books that from the very first page, I went, Hey, this is something new and different. And every single page, you know, you'll get a reveal, and then and there's this character, and then he's Jack, and somebody makes a joke about his beanstalk, and then there's Beauty and the Beast, and then Mm -hmm. there's Cinderella. And, you know, as you go through it, having seen 115 issues of the book or something like that, now looking back, it's like seeing those first appearances of everybody that we know in retrospect – Right. It's clear that Willingham started this with a really accessible story and brought yes. the characters who were most likely to catch your eye, the characters who would do the most, you know, the most impact. But this whole thing was universe building from day one. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's fabulous to watch that. You know, in that first issue, the moments with Prince Charming mm-hmm. and the moments with Big B and Snow and all of this and knowing in retrospect what's gonna happen, kind it's really amazing to see where they started out.
2: Yeah, Prince Charming is is a uh, quite the cad. Uh most of the characters who escape from their fabled world, um escape barely with their lives intact. So they don't have any riches. Mm -hmm. They don't have their wealth. They don't have their money. And Prince Charming just happens to be one of them. And so he's made his way in the world by seducing and living off the favors of others and basically just, you know, man, I I am, when it gets to the art, I'm going to have to go back. Because I could swear that there was a scene in here with nudity. Now, there's with a scene Prince when, Charming and the girl are getting it on. Yeah, they are getting it on. Actually, you don't
3: really see a lot.
2: No, though. but I think it's in the original. Nudity. No, I think in the original because that's what struck me the first time I read it. Is oh my gosh, there's cartoon boobs in this. Uh-huh.
3: In the in the next, not in the next set of stories, but the one after that, the one that deals with Jack in the South. Yeah, there are there are just straight up shaboobies
2: okay maybe maybe i'm thinking of something else i I am
0: i was wondering if the original issues because those are what i right (laughs) right (laughs) it's not even anymore. and um i do not see cartoon in issue one there are however and you know for 1990 (laughs) it's a remarkably sexualized scene oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah, charming and, and young molly so
2: yeah yeah, it's uh, you know he's he makes no excuses for what he does. He knows I he's a cad. He knows you
4: he's a like philanderer. The Red sea.
2: He compares his swordsmanship and his
3: swordsmanship.
2: You can yes, say. his swordsmanship and his handling of the Wang as as one and the same.
0: Uh, see, that's worse than the actual <laughs> words in the book, Stephen. You can't censor something with something that sounds more. Sure, awful. I
2: can. Sure, I can. Um, but it turns out, and you know, I kind of like Prince Charming every year or every other year, the fables all gather to celebrate, uh, basically what is it? Amnesty day. The day that they all came to the Monday world and all signed the pact that they would all live together in secrecy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Prince Charming way down on his luck has this great idea that he's going to sell His lands that he has no control of, all of his riches that he has no control of, even his title of of prince, he's going to raffle those off in a lottery to his fellow fables, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: knowing that at this time of year when everyone's thinking about the good old days, that what if we get to go back to the home world? What if Mm -hmm. we get to defeat the adversary? Maybe I can own all of Prince Charming's riches. And it's kind of a brilliant scheme for a, a cat of his type. And he later goes on, just to kind of spoil it for some people, he later goes on to run for mayor and wins. Mm -hmm. And currently the mayor is uh, Old King Cole, who doesn't come off as a big a doper in this as I I thought they would make him come out to be.
3: Well, yeah, he's just kind of an absentee mayor, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't uh, put in some amount of time. I I think really the the old, you know, King Cole as as a... as a character, is, a, is largely absent from oh, this book. Oh, my, my. Yes, George Takei as, yes, uh, yes, as yes. King Cole.
0: I, I always see her the mayor of uh, Townsville Oh girls, girls. it's such
3: a terrible- <laughs> um which Miss is Bella, which is appropriate it is appropriate that his leggy secretary is in fact the one that does all the work right and and that i think that they set it up they didn't want to or he didn't want to make snow white have all the power right. and all the control cuz then she would probably be able to get even more things accomplished mm-hmm. so that way she's middle management you mm-hmm. know she's stuck between what King Cole wants, which is largely to suck up to the fables that still have their money so that Fable Town can operate, mm-hmm. and what she wants to do, which is to, you know, set things right. Right. Um. Although that doesn't necessarily play out as much in this because this one's very personal for her.
2: Turns out, mm-hmm. in Big-, Big B's investigation, really from issue one, or I think it's issue one, maybe two. He's determined Rose Red isn't even dead, but he makes everybody go through the motions. He makes sure that everyone knows that he's on the case. We get to see Bigby even turn into a wolf at one point, Mm -hmm. which is kind of intense, you know, because you think of the big bad wolf, but you don't think of him as that big of a wolf. Right. You know, wolves are
3: big, but they're not, you know, size of a small room big. Right. And I think that also sets up something that's important because they kind of reveal... And you know, uh, I have okay. They reveal that Big B is is actually a werewolf, right? Not not really necessarily a wolf, wolf. Because right. if he was, then he wouldn't be able to turn into mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I was like, well, they gotta make have you know that's it's convenient with the farm story coming up because that's the whole point of the farm, right? But I'm pretty sure that I have seen accounts in which or or stories in which the wolf from uh, Little Red Riding Hood mm-hmm. actually is a werewolf, mm-hmm. and since I think they're throwing Bigby as every yeah, big, bad, every big wolf bad wolf as right. ever, right. right? like, you know, all you need is that president, and then it mm-hmm. makes, you know, you can mm-hmm. do that. Because that's, a, a lot of what the series does is, for example, the Snow White Rose Red, most of the stories that we've heard do not include Rose Red. Right. But... Since there's one instance of it, or a few instances of it, then that's something that can be turned into a plot point. Later mm-hmm. on, we meet Sleeping Beauty, right. who in this, uh, in these stories are largely called Briar Rose, mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, it, it works. Her thing works differently from the uh, Disney Sleeping Beauty, right? Which in and of itself becomes a plot point. Mm-hmm. Not in this story, but later. Well, on. but. Um...
2: It's Cinderella, who, when we first inter- are introduced to uh, Bluebeard, mm-hmm. it's Cinderella that those two are fencing with one another, and they're sword fighting. You're like, well, yeah. why is Cinderella, why is she Why is she fencing? Why does she even have to do any sword play? Right. And this is like first, second, third issue kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not until 80 issues later that you find out. Yep. And again, we're going to spoil some things here. It's not until 80 issues later that you find out that the fables have their own secret spy agency mm-hmm. and that because, she is a spy, which has then spun off the Cinderella um uh Agent of Shield.
3: Agent yeah. of Shield series, yeah. Um because uh, because uh Fable. There's, Wolf. there's uh you know, there's fables everywhere. They don't right? only live in up in New York right? and upstate New York. Right. So it's difficult to keep tabs on all of them. And they do mention I think even in this one they mentioned that, you know, not not every fable lives yeah. in Fable Town. Well, and that's what Prince Charming had been done. Right. Hadn't he had been wandering in around, Europe, had, had yeah. only recently returned to, uh, or, or arrived in Fable, in fable mm-hmm. Town, because I think that he hadn't been there yeah, at all Yeah, no, he before. had been in Europe all this time, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it's really
2: interesting, and and what's even more interesting is when you start examining the panels, mm-hmm. because you start to see all of these other characters, like the Flycatcher, who right. is the uh, the Frog Prince. Um, you start seeing all these other characters that you may not know about uh, make appearances in, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you know right away from the first issue that the Wizard of Oz world is fair game in Fables because there's a big blue monkey flowing around, flying around in Snow White's office. Mm-hmm. Um, you you get to see, um, oh, I mean, the, the witch from... Um,
3: Hansel, Hansel and Gretel, and Gretel mm-hmm. is there.
2: Although later, I think she changes to, uh, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of one of the other witches, Frau Tottenkinder.
3: Um, I well, and that Frau
0: Tottenkinder is the witch. From-
3: Isn't okay because they call her something else here. I thought, yeah, they call her the Black Forest Witch. Right, right. Um, but but I think that's kind of what they're. That that's that's a big part of why this. Uh, I think the appeal for me is that. He's going back and using these stories for which there are 10,000 different right. iterations. right? And he is picking the one that is going to work best for his story. Mm-hmm. Or they are, because I think maybe... he Does he have any co-writers mm-hmm. on this? No, nope. it's, it's all him. It's there are some times line. when... Um, uh, Where the actual script or words are...
2: No, else? Mark Buckingham... Uh, not Mark Buckingham. Um, Crap, we've had him on the Mark. show. Mark Buckingham. Maybe it is Mark Buckingham. Uh f- f-
3: um Land Medina, Mark Buckingham's theme Leia Aloha, Craig Hamilton. So oh, Mark Buckingham was. does the
2: does the art, but I'm thinking one of the other clockwork story. It's either Chris Roberson or um Matthew uh, Matt Ma- Matt Sturgis. Matt Sturgis. Mandy yeah. Patinkin. Matthew Wiener. Yeah. yeah, Matthew Sturgis. He comes in and helps yeah, later later on.
1: I love mm. to draw the comics um, because I'm Mandy Patinkin. <laughs>
2: Um, but he comes in and helps write some stuff later on as well. But this mm-hmm. is this is Bill's you know little world that he's right, built, right. and it's and it's really fascinating to see how he is. One of the things that that's come out is that um, he only uses characters that are in public domain. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that's in question, that character
3: will not right, appear man. at all in the books. Or, or, or or, or or and and in it's interesting domain. because when you go through and see because in this first volume there's a, a recap of what has happened in the homeland right and they mentioned that for example the great lion's uh mm-hmm. kingdom was decimated and mm-hmm. things like that so it's like well it's because you know that stuff is still fresh enough that it's not in the public domain so yeah. we're not gonna see it right 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 it's like if you're asking why you haven't seen anything from narnia that's why
2: but didn't in in the farm doesn't aslan appear as the as the talking lion or is that supposed to be the
3: lion from uh I don't think so. I don't think it's Aslan. It's, I, it's,
0: I it's, honestly it, don't remember who the... Was
3: there even... No, there's a tiger, yeah. and that's Shere Khan. Right. That's Shere Oh, yeah, Khan. There, is a, there is a lion. Uh,
2: when, and I couldn't the tell the if it was maybe the Cowardly Lion or if it was supposed to be Aslan. I, it's been a while since well, I read those, but I it, seem to remember they that. They we have were characters
0: who appear, who are clearly meant to represent someone that they can't name. Right. right. Because in these first five issues, I noticed that Cinderella goes unnamed. Mm-hmm. They call her Princess, and it's very clear who she is. But they don't say Cinderella, which makes me wonder if it was something that was meant to be a reveal or if it was something where they were trying to be coy because they weren't sure if the rights were yeah. actually in the public domain or
2: not. You know what's really funny is um, with Prince Charming, you know at the end of all the fairy tales, Snow White marries Prince Charming, Cinderella right. marries Prince Charming, and it turns out in yeah. this book – that, yes, that's it's, right. They were all married to Prince Charming at, at one time or another. And I thought that was a very clever way of, of explaining these things away. Um, when it comes yeah. to the art, let's talk about the art for just a minute. Um, oh, Land Medina, I think, did the art in, in this first arc. Um, I, I like the art. I mean, it's solid, it's really good. Um, it's, and no offense, but it's, it's not as good as the Mark Buckingham stuff that comes later, in my opinion. But one thing that does start it, to appear, go ahead, Matthew.
0: It's different. It's more intricate, and it's more—I I don't know how to say it other than it's, say detailed, it's more finer many. Yeah, it's more. It's it's. This starts out as very much in the vein of Vertigo as we knew it, right? circa two thousand one, two thousand two. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, but what it really does is it cements it as, yep, this sure is a Vertigo title. Yeah, And then as the book comes into its own and as Vertigo becomes less of a thing and more of just kind of a publishing umbrella, I feel like the book goes on and and the art style goes completely different places because it can.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that Land does here that I think sets the tone for the rest of the series is what he does with the panels and the edge panels and spills things into the gutter where he is you know putting these ornate decorations across the pages because that's carried on from from you know on down the road and i think that this is really important because um and again we only learn about the adversary we don't know who the adversary is right mm-hmm. but in issue 4 we know exactly who the adversary is if you pay attention to the borders. right? Um, All throughout, you know, and originally, the original concept was the adversary was supposed to be Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. But they found out that in the United States, Peter Pan is uh, in the public domain. But in England, the character is still under copyright. So they said, well, we're not going to use it because he's not in the public domain. So Willingham went and did, did a different route with the adversary. But if you start looking through Um, the backstory of the adversary and how everybody lost their lands and you look at those panels and how they're decorated what do those look like to you Matthew
0: those look like carved wood shavings Stephen
2: yes they do and I know at this
3: time that uh, oh my god the adversary is Bob Vila (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're absolutely And some right. happy little trees. No wait, that's a that's the other guy.
2: But you know, for the longest time that's and, I, and I remember, I remember when they were getting ready to say, "Oh, the adversary is. We are going to find out. I remember going to Comic-Con the year that the adversary was going to be revealed and sitting in the Fables panel and Willingham saying, "Oh my gosh, people, you're not going to believe we will reveal who the adversary is this year." And people were just like, "Oh my god, I you know, just going crazy over this." But now, in hindsight, when you go back to issue four and you look at that those panels, you're like, oh, my God, the answer's right there. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very cool. Now, to kind of tease what's coming up, you guys will want to listen this weekend to the Major Spoilers podcast when Dr. Peter Coogan comes in and we talk about comic theory, which kind of ties into what I was just talking about, is if you pay attention to... What's going on in the actual comic book, if you actually read it as opposed to just read it, you may discover some wondrous things. (laughs) That's this weekend on the Major Spoilers podcast. (laughs) Matthew, what did you think of this mystery that's being told? I mean, that's kind of like what I liked about this is it was kind of a whodunit.
0: I like the fact that the answer to the mystery Was there from the beginning and all the clues, like a good, like a good Ellery Queen story, all the clues that Big B sees are brought to our attention. Mm -hmm. Every clue that Big B sees and everything that Big B uses to figure out the identity of Rose Red's murderer is there on panel, even if you go back to the issue. So I like that. I like the fact that my first thought at seeing the crime scene was, you know what? I think I know what happened here. And I was right when I initially mm-hmm. read the book. Cause I'm like, wow, that, that looks exactly like this. And it turns out that is in fact what happened. So it's nice to have that. And, and Big B actually puts a lampshade on it when he's like, yeah, every detective wants to have the big Sherlock Holmes parlor scene where right. you gather everybody together and you tell them who done it and how, how you figured it out. And it's really great. And Big B's enjoyment of this explanation. Makes the sequence go on about twice as long as it really. Yeah. Needs well, in fact, to. it goes on a whole it's other a issue. whole issue. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, by the yeah. end of the last, really... the second to
3: last issue, he knows, and then the next issue is the explanation yep. of what happened. Yep. Yeah,
0: Yep. And it it takes him long. It takes him so long because he's savoring every moment of this. Mm-hmm. He takes a moment, and you can see it in his face, and it's really good work on the art. Where you know he lights a cigarette, and he's got this smile on his face, and he starts talking and breaking it all down, and. You really have to enjoy how much fun it must have been to try and put this together. And I'm not familiar with this artist from anywhere else. I know Lea Lohas work, but I'm not familiar with uh, Lan, is it? I thought it was That's what I –
2: maybe it is. It's just from the front cover that I was looking at there in issue four, it looked like an L. So maybe it is It
0: clearly says L-A-N. I've always looked at it and thought it was Ian Medina. But in any case, I love the art throughout that whole sequence. Mm -hmm. And every time – From the very moment you first see Snow White, it's just kind of one of those, she's so pretty. Just don't ever mention the dwarves. Yep, (laughs) It's difficult to put, you know, you can say as long as you want, this is a gorgeous character. And people have people respond to her as a gorgeous character. But the fact that the art shows you how gorgeous she is Mm -hmm. and does it, you know, does it in a way that's really successful that particularly works for me. So, you know, I throughout that whole first issue and even into the reveal, I just found myself marveling at the construction of the panels and the facial expressions. And at certain points, it reminds me of... Um, oh, God, now I lost his name. Drew, Master of Kung Fu, back in the day with Doug Munch. Oh, someone will think of it. I think his first name is Paul. But in any case, really amazing work. And then, once the reveal is revealed... There's kind of this moment where everyone is like, oh, and then there's another half an issue yeah, yeah. that actually cleans up and finishes the plot threads, which I really mm. love because the end of the mystery is not the end of the story.
2: Right. And for those of you who don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead 30 seconds. Uh, turns out Rose Red isn't dead. She's faked her own own death.
3: Dun, dun, dun. Dun,
2: dun, dun. Dun, And, uh, And I and I like that. But see, this is the thing that's that's interesting from the from the story standpoint. We don't learn everything that there is to learn about these characters or this world that Willingham has created in this first story arc. We know that these characters have lived for thousands of years. We know that some of them still have some magical properties, such as the case with Bluebeard who brought his entire castle with him and has an, has turned it into uh into his apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's bigger on the inside. Um we And it's blue. Hey. We don't learn we don't learn things yet until actually the second arc. Uh we don't learn that the more popular the character is the more power that they have, mm-hmm. we don't learn any of those kinds of things in this first arc, and I think that that's kind of what makes this first arc rather charming. Some people don't like it because they think it's just that's just setup. It's just you know this is the pilot for the for the TV series, right? Uh, but I think it's a great little murder mystery. I think it's well plotted. I think I think it's well thought out. I think the characters are developed just enough, and the art is really solid. and And it tells us what happens a hundred issues later.
3: Well, and and. The 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 series overall does something that I've kind of always wanted to see, like on TV, but has only very seldomly happened. And I think you know it's funny that there are allusions to the Doctor because Doctor Who does it well, mm-hmm. but this book, the first arc is a murder mystery, right? The second arc is political intrigue and doesn't right. have any. You know, it, it's a different type of story, not just a different story in the right, same right, vein. Right. A different type of story, and mm-hmm. as you read through them, you see that each story arc kind of fits into a different genre altogether, mm-hmm. which is really what's kind of masterful about this is the same characters, It you know, and other characters come to the fore and are uh, introduced and other stuff, but it's the same characters in a different genre, yeah. which makes, actually keeps the book feeling very fresh Mm-hmm. Even though these characters are actually ancient characters right. that we're already familiar
2: with. And that's what, Matthew, I know you you read all the issues, and I, I did too. That's what kind of made the Cinderella Secret Agent Spy Girl uh, book so interesting. Because you don't expect Cinderella to be Secret that's Agent Secret Spy Secret Agent
0: Spy Girl. And especially, you know, when she's facing down with the person she's facing down with, you have to really appreciate the amount of thought that had to go into this. Right. You had to, you know, and later on, there, there's a particularly telling moment for me where we meet the, some of the fables who aren't either at the village or at, in Fable Town or at the farm. Mm-hmm. And some of these are the fables who are no longer politically correct. And one of them is Sam. Right. And for issue after issue, Sam appears and then somebody explains that Sam is the character from Little Black Sambo, Yeah. which is particularly racist, but still, a, you know, a fable of some mm-hmm. note. And I like the way we tie in literally everything. This came at the turn of the last century, a point where a lot of this stuff was happening. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, right. while mm-hmm. differently apt, is in a completely similar vein. You know, we have the same thing with uh, Planetary to some degree. Mm-hmm. There are a number of series that take these these characters and bring them all together. This one does it in a way that is completely different from all the others. And there were about 10 of them and about four of them still survive. So right. the fact that Fables has done it the longest and the most successfully, I think, lets you know that this particular conceit, this everybody you've ever read about, heard about anybody in a fable or anybody in a folktale or anybody in a, you know, a movie or a story or a book, they all actually exist. And this is what we're saying they're like now after right. 300 years.
2: So um, I, I went to when I was in San Diego, uh, went to the and I actually had a really nice conversation with Bill Willingham after the panel. Uh, my question to the panel, the Fables panel was. And and you guys could tell and, and I know why they couldn't do it and why they can't do it. But my question was the Alice in Wonderland characters actually exist in this world of fables. Wouldn't that be the perfect hook then to get Batman into fables as a crossover, to realize that he is a fictional character living in a mundane world because he somehow has to meet Alice's Mad Hatter is his Mad Hatter.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And and, and uh, I, I think that would be a great way to kind of cross that dc world into this world of make-believe supposedly in a real world which is actually a make-believe world in and of itself
3: i gotta say steven it's often a toss-up as to in each given episode which one of us is going to be the nerdiest <laughs> i think i think you
0: just took it and ran yeah c- circle gets the square on that one. No, seriously wouldn't
2: that make an interesting story where you it know would, you know the manhatter
3: you remember uh joe the barbarian yeah um. Yeah, that one that had all the,
4: like all it's the, all, the toys, all the characters, all the toys, yeah. which
3: includes a Batman action figure. So mm-hmm. weirdly, Batman is in that book. So right. you could. I think you could get away with it. Yeah. But I would. I would hate to see that be more than a couple of panels oh, yeah. in a single issue. Well, I think they could. Do, I think they could do one Batman crossover. Once Batman sets foot somewhere, mm-hmm. the the property can thoroughly be spoiled and and
2: that may be the reason why they they can't do it or don't want to do it but just that one shot where the batman comes to fabletown and realizes wait a minute and he has to question himself am i just a figment of someone's imagination and in a book i think that would be a very powerful meta moment in a fables dc universe rodrigo uh anything you would be like like, (laughs) In the face. <laughs> and then batman punches the reader in the face i'm real damn it i'm real uh what don't you like about this uh first arc in fables
3: um i think actually what i what i kind of don't like about it and and that's largely gone away as uh as as the times have changed is that this does feel familiar there are a lot of stories that mm-hmm. started with like that that are that start with what if all those characters were real yeah like a lot of them yeah 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 not only stories that have that as their basis but you know villain of the week episodes in certain shows and mm-hmm. you know all this other stuff i mean really throughout the 90s we saw a lot of this stuff in Things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, all this stuff that had kind of like, this god is now doing this thing, Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, Sandman was doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I think that, sort of, and for me, you know, I didn't read all that stuff, or necessarily watch all the stuff as it was coming out. But then going back, I started seeing this, like, huge saturation point of that stuff going on, and Fables was right at the center of Mm it. So i had to overcome a certain level of distaste for something that i had seen a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. and and right now it's kind of that like s- uh, steampunky uh retro stuff having to do with cthulhu so like edgar Allan poe versus cthulhu yeah, yeah. time traveling lincoln yeah. type stuff you know right, like right, that right. that stuff is is getting to a saturation point for me right now okay um and and fables was kind of like that but again you know i i did have the uh the uh the fortune i guess of not having been right like reading comics also on top of everything right right, at that point so i was able to go back to fables and then take it off after after having cleared my sinuses of that Mm -hmm. stuff matthew was there something that you didn't really
2: care for in this arc something that that turns it off
4: Uh,
0: yes and no. I hate Bluebeard as a character, and it's it it, you know it doesn't have anything to do with the story, and it's just one of those moments where I'm just like, I don't like you. You are stupid. But something about Bluebeard just turns me off throughout the entire arc, and the fact that he's you know a relatively major player, what with being you know the murdered person's uh, fiance. (gasps) What um. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a subtle fire sign theater reference for you. But, um, I don't think there's anything really that I don't like. There are parts of it that I don't like as well as the rest of the series. And there are parts of it that are clearly, you know, growing pains, the yeah. infancy of a series that later gets so much more epic and so much surer in, in its storytelling. But I mean, this is a pretty beautiful five issue chunk book. And, you know, quite frankly, if it looks that good and it reads that smooth, I can pretty much forgive any number of flaws. Yeah.
2: I, I really like this. I mean, there are very few flaws except that, um, you know, the art gets insanely better in my opinion, after this arc is over. Um, I think everything's well thought out and well set up, and, and it's and it's just really wonderful. Bottom line for me is, if you've never read anything about fables, this is a good entry point. Although, you know, one, it could be said that Animal Farm could be the next best entry point. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody could say, hey, you know, issue 50 is the best jumping on point. But I think that this is a really good introduction to the world of fables and lets you know what's going on, and it's an entertaining read throughout.
3: Rodrigo, bottom line for you. Um... I think that once I figured out that each uh, arc has a different style to it, mm-hmm. I, I can't not read the rest because I want to see how that's explored. For me, even more so than the characters and the uh, the actual story itself, there, there's a mastery to the way that fables is put together, right? Um, both uh, visually and um, just kind of formally the way that the story is structured that is just so good that you know the, you could just take away well maybe you you couldn't but uh, there's a lot of stuff that could be different that could be changed but that basic structure is so strong mm-hmm. that the the story would still continue to move forward in in a significant way it's it's hard it's it's hard to put my finger on it but it's just kind of this it it looks like before the first you know, before the first page of of fables was printed, the entire story had already been at least partially thought out. Yeah. Like every every little bit of it seems so deliberate. Yeah, and that and that is just great to read. To read something where the artist does seem sure of himself mm-hmm. and does seem like from the first second it's going somewhere. Right, right. Matthew, final thoughts from you.
0: This is another one that I think you want to read. Yeah, you, person, you're sitting in your car. No, wait, you're on the subway. No, wait, you're just walking around like a geek. Hey, welcome. Major spoilers podcast. My name's Matthew. Go read fables now. It's something that no matter how familiar some of the bits and pieces are, they've taken that pile of Legos that we've all seen before and built it into something really phenomenal. And Again, I always hate the fact that we start with the first arc of, of books because the first arc isn't necessarily the best. This is one of the exceptions that kind of proves that rule because this is a really strong opening.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: And this is one where, you know, I can look at this and say that volume one of these trade paperbacks is probably in my top three, if not my top two. As far as Fable's collected stories go. How about, how about your top five? <laughs> I don't want to have a top five. I don't even know what that means. I'd have to be on a different podcast for that. You see? Me and my nephew Berserko. Uh, I, sometimes I talk, and even I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> so, in short, book good, fire bad, buy now, or crush you.
2: When I was a – just to kind of give some kind of an impact on this, when I was a young lad – my mother, a uh, teacher, uh, already I had so a bunch of books from when she was younger. And um, I remember one of them was this big book of fairy tales Grimm's, it's the complete Grimm's fairy tale. And after reading, I think the first or second issue was a fable. So I was like, man, I wonder if my mom still has that book. Mm-hmm. She's kept everything. And sure enough, I went home, I think for a Thanksgiving or something, I went down in the basement, started digging through these boxes of books. And found this big, I think it was printed in like 1967 or something like this, Grimm's Complete Fairy Tales. And I've carried that around with me forever. It's on the shelf somewhere. It's a green bound book, uh, I think next to the Harry Potter stuff. But you can go in there and if you want to find out mm-hmm. what is the reference that Willingham's doing that's specifically the the Grimm's Fairy Tales. Yeah. You can go in there and find all that stuff in there. So it's oh, yeah. fascinating
3: to yeah. read. You know, for me, this, this yeah. volume didn't have it a lot. But there are two things that I really really like and i'm and and i'm to this day extremely fascinated by the thousand and one nights which if you've heard this podcast before you know (laughs) that i love and the jungle book the way the Mm -hmm. jungle book's written is freaking amazing i love the jungle book and the the next volume of fables Mm -hmm. features characters from the jungle book prominently yeah and it's so true to what those characters are within the jungle book
2: And if people don't think that Grimm's fairy tales aren't violent, I mean, a lot of people were maybe turned off. I mean, this was a Vertigo book, right. but a lot of people may have been turned off about uh, the sex and the violence in, in fables. Go and read the original Grimm's fairy tales. Those things are full of sex and violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So stuff oh, that you don't even stuff, stuff you don't want to actually read to of. a kid. Yeah, you don't want to read them to a kid.
3: Uh, so that maybe you let your kid is
0: just flat out creepy.
3: Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. it's it's amazing how uh, could open the wolf's How, how, how dark wax, a lot of those threw it in the river. It it is amazing how dark a lot of those grim fairy tales are. I believe I read somewhere... Because of how the poor Germans were so oppressed by the French. Oh, is that why? So so you see how things change. Uh, I
0: do blame the French.
3: (laughs) All right, everybody, we got to get out of here this week. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you
2: tuning in and downloading and sharing with your friends and spreading the word about the Major Spoilers podcast, Major Spoilers Experience. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com and find out more great stories. In fact, you can find out what's coming up next week, Why the Last Man, Volume 3. Why? Well, because it's been a while since we've read, it's been a while since we've read this as a book and we need to get through this entire series. You can also head over to Majorspoilers.com slash store. Why? Because we know that you like comic book merchandise based on Major Spoilers properties and we
1: do too and we hope you buy some and we'll see you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers.
4: If I had ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus as soon as the comic book store I knew they kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stuck, Raven, like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun, Being in the Middle East With a gangsta and throwing soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This has been a Major Spoilers podcast, copyright 2011. Goodbye, see you on the next
1: show.